Stay sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I'm in this fight all the way. I am optimistic. I believe in what we can do together. Warren set up just an exploratory committee, which allows her to fundraise and fill staff positions. Really no guarantee of a full-blown presidential campaign, but insiders expect to see one. We'll see how she does. I, I wish her well. I hope she does well. I'd love to run against her. This is a stalemate that the president is content to ride out. Unless he gets funding for the border wall and border security, he's simply just going to let this thing play out and see just how much pressure he can apply on the Democrats. I think the president is telling us what he wants, and he's willing to do some things to get what he wants. And to my Democratic friends, there's some things that you want that can be had if you agree to border security in a reasonable way. And now, Stacey Washington. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may have, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Welcome to Stacy on the Right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It's my pleasure to be with you today, and Happy New Year. You are in 2019. We're all here. We made it. We're here together, and we have a ton of things to get into today on the program. Uh, you might have noticed I had a little time off, and I had to recharge and reconnect, get time with my family, step away from not just politics, but online social media. I had so little time with my phone, so little time. My, my laptop stayed closed, and it was a blessing. I'm so glad that I took the time off to do that. I'm refreshed. I'm ready to be here, and I'm super excited about today's show. I was just reading from 2 Peter 1, 1 through 4, and that scripture really spoke to me over the break. Um, we are in a new year, and there's a lot going on. A lot of people are doing what they call New Year's resolutions, which I'm not that I'm not that big into those, but I am big into the idea that God has something for us to do and we can't aimlessly bebop around and kind of just wait, you know, waiting on God to so-called, you know, what what does he have for us to do? We're we're always to be working and obedient. But there's more to it than that. As Christians, we can and should set goals. We should pray over them. We should ask God for guidance and we should act. And so it's an active participation role that we share and we are looking to God for direction and guidance, but we're constantly moving and making sure that we're actively in obedience. And so that that scripture, I, I just, I couldn't get enough of it over the break. I read it again and again, and I found it encouraging. In this scripture, you have this, it, it's an exhortation. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So it's not go out and be, you know, full, accept the grace and be abundant. It's through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ, our Lord. That means we're studying, we're showing ourselves approved, and we're hitting the road running. We're, we're actually saying, I'm chasing after you, God. I'm chasing after the knowledge that you have for me. I'm growing in you. That's my primary focus. So that doesn't mean we don't work. We don't 
clean our homes. We don't take care of our kids. We don't attend functions and go do things that must be done. But it means we put God first. We get after him first. He is our first priority. We do that first. And then afterwards, we chase the other things down, finding them easier and our loads lighten because we have connected to the power source. And in verse four, it says, through these, he has given us this very great and precious promise so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. So that's an impressive and exciting and almost daunting prospect. If you think about it, God's telling us we get to participate in the divine nature. The Bible says we are seated in heavenly realms when we pray. That's, that's where we go for our recharging for our energy. I see a lot of people with these bands and, and people are promoting all over social media. You are enough because a lot of us, and notice I said us, we suffer from you know, these sometimes occasional, sometimes frequent crisis of whether or not we're doing a good enough job or if we have what it takes to, to make the grade, if we have what it takes to get the job done. And that is an attack from the enemy, but it's also a result of our flesh and the, the true fact that we, we aren't enough. You're not enough. I am not enough. None of us are enough. God is more than enough. He's everything. And when we plug into that power source and we get that energy, we get that energy, it's, it's, it's a blast. It's like a, it's an infusion of everything that God has for us, just the right amount at just the right time. That's when we're enough in Christ to be able to do what he's tasked us to do, the things that he's given us to do. And every one of us has something that he's given us to do. So as we move into 2019, I always start the year off by talking about continually updating goals and, and kind of reorienting, double checking and saying, you know, what, I, what, what have I been praying for? Where has God moved? And in what ways do I see him directing me to either continue and stay the course or maybe to adjust or maybe to start something new or step out in faith somewhere where I previously have never been. And God will do that. But it's funny, I haven't seen him in my life doing that in any way where I've said, okay, sit down, I'm gonna make this list and then this is gonna happen and then we'll go to step two and then we'll go to 2A, 2B, 2C and then over here to three. And I think this is how it should go. And so boom, Father, please bless this. Let's get it done. It never happens that way. Rather, it happens that I have prepared myself and I'm plugged in and connected to him and I feel that nudge, oh, this is something that's right for me to do. And it's an opportunity. Usually they come to me. I don't seek them out. They come to me. The ones I'm seeking out, those don't come to fruition. The ones that come to me are the ones that are profitable and make a difference. And I'm able to, through those, glorify God and stay within my mandate as a wife and a mom, honoring my husband and our household and our family, putting them above any work that I do. So it's... it's a growing, it's a growing season, but we're always in a growing season. So 2019, we're here and God is still in control. And no matter what the political winds may bring, politics is a tool that we use to impact our lives and to exert control over our government. Politics is not the end goal. The gospel is all things. It's, it's the end goal, teaching it, sharing it, knowing it for ourselves and spreading it. People who already know Jesus Christ are much better able to access the benefits of obedience, and to get outside of what politics says we can or can't do, what our government says we can or can't do, and get into walking in joyful abundance in Christ, which is not, that's not about wealth. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not about prosperity. It's about joy and peace and self-control and all of the other fruits of the spirit that enable us to do 
all things in Christ. So welcome to the show today. We have Lowell Ponte. He's coming on with us next segment, political columnist, consultant, and author. Uh, he's got a piece up about the border wall, and this is something that is a huge political, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a nightmare. And the only reason it's a nightmare, I, I, have to, I have to go into that today on the show, is because I'm seeing the Republicans in a, a very destructive pattern that is one that they've repeated before. It's, it's, it's the same old story, same old song, same old dance, not even a different tune with the Republicans in this border issue. So I'm going to get into that, but I first want to say, whether you're listening to the show first time ever, welcome. If you are a longtime listener and really staunch supporter of American Family Radio and American Family Association, welcome. You're home. And the reason I'm saying that on the first show back in 2019 is because I'm home too. So I've been here for a couple of years, but it's been just over 90 days. It's, it's, it's been a few months since the show was brought up to American Family Radio. And so I feel like we've gotten past the kind of new phase where people were in shock about the schedule change and all of that. And people are now accepting the program and are really excited about it. And I get a lot of notes from people saying, oh, you know, welcome edition, welcome, welcome, welcome. And I want to say to anyone who's listening, welcome home, because this is your home for news and information with the biblical worldview. This is the largest Christian radio network in the country. And the work that's being done here is being done as yeomen working as unto the Lord, tending the vines in the fields until the return of Christ Jesus. And so that's a hugely different perspective than other commercial radio networks have. And there's nothing wrong with those other commercial radio networks. I've guest hosted on almost all of them, and I think they're fantastic. But this is your home for news and information from the Christian worldview. And so I welcome you here, and I, I just encourage you to get the app on TuneIn. Um, you know, make us one of your browser favorites there on TuneIn. Get the American Family Radio app. Get the Urban Family Talk app. And also visit our websites, onenewsnow.com. And uh, I believe we have onemillionmoms.com, one million dads, and then also Urban Family Talk and AFR.net. You can b- visit the blog, The Stand, and you can hit subscribe on all of those. You get notifications and updates so we become a habitual, routine part of your day. And you'll be hearing from hosts all over the network from morning until night, 24 hours a day of good content, great programming here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. So welcome home. Welcome to 2019. Let's get into this. We have this information about, um, and these three pieces tie together. First, I'm going to talk to you about something that just happened in Germany. You have these four students, or they're, they're teenagers. I don't, I don't know that they're students, because in Germany, you actually finish high school, the very basic part of high school. You finish it at 10th grade. And then you can go on to two more years of high school, but it's college preparatory, but not everyone goes on to that. So if you're a Syrian or a you know, Afghani or someone from outside of the country and you're coming in and you've already had 10 years of schooling, you're not absolutely going to be forced to go to school. And so these 17 to 19 year old kids or young men, um, as they were, actually went on a rampage and they harmed a lot of people. I don't mean like one or two people. These, these guys were running around. They had 12 people that they were physically assaulting, just running around, actually physically assaulting them. Um, they left 12 people aged 13 to 42 injured during random attacks while they were hurling racist statements. This was at 6.30 p.m. on Saturday at Amberg Station, and this is in Germany. Now, 
you might say, well, uh, Germany, I mean, you know, news is news, but what does that have to do? Well, let's, let's listen. Why does it have to do with us? Because we have rock hurling gangs of people, various ages at our southern border right now, who've recently launched an attack at Border Patrol and were repelled just a day after this happened in Germany. They were repelled with tear gas. Some of them actually got across the border illegally, but they were all repelled with tear gas. And the reason that they were assaulting the border is because they want to come in here. But they're, and a lot of them say they're coming here to work. But if they can't find work, they'll be roaming around our train stations assaulting people. They're already doing that. And so I know a lot of, of, of individuals will say, well, Stacy, the thing is, they're just coming here for a better life. But it's not a better life if you're stealing it. And you're stealing it from taxpayers. Illegal immigration costs us $70,000 per illegal immigrant a year. That's 70 grand a year. So while we were all upset, me included, at hearing that we're going to send $10 billion to South America, we'd previously been doing that under the Bush administration. Not $10 billion, but a similar amount in those years, dollars, you know, reduced by inflation because it was it was before the Obama administration, we were sending money for drug interdiction programs and to keep the gangs at bay so that people could live in their war-torn, crime-infested countries instead of coming here. And what happened was you had Obama reducing funding for those programs and eliminating some of them because he said we should help the people here in the United States. Only he wasn't talking about people like you and I, citizens. He's talking about illegal immigrants, which obviously... The reason we don't hear the number 11 million anymore is because it's been debunked by leftists who were doing a study on the issue. And now we know it's 22 million. And if it's 22 million, it's probably more like the 38 million I've been telling you, meaning that there are more illegal immigrants here than there are black people because there are only 38 million blacks in America. Yes, I said only I'm black. And if it wasn't for abortion, there'd be almost 50 million black people in America. But, you know, thanks Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood, Cecile Richards, Barack Obama, and Eric Holder's wife, who owns an abortion clinic. So you've got these guys in Germany. And after they set upon the passersby, they then um, were running because the police were called. And as the police were approaching, they just were beating people down as they were running away. Interior Minister Seehofer was speaking to Build News Agency, and he said, the events in Amberg have upset me a lot. These are violent excesses that we cannot tolerate. If asylum seekers commit violent crimes, they must leave our country. If the existing laws are not enough, they must be changed. Interior Minister Seehofer, I agree, sir. Yeah, (laughs) but that's what you should be doing already. You should be getting rid of every criminal. Every one of them should be deported. And we shouldn't be letting them in. When we get back, we'll have Lowell Ponte, political columnist and author, right here on Stacey on the Right on American Family Radio. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. 2019 is upon us, and we're going to be going back to Washington, D.C. and to Williamsburg for our spiritual heritage tours. And if you've been wanting to go, maybe this is the year for you. These tours fill up several months in advance, and one of the reasons they do is because we have an actual historian, a professional historian that comes on our tour with us. His name is Stephen McDowell. He's the president of the Providence Foundation, and he knows more about early American history, especially the Christian influence on early American history. He knows more than anybody I know. So if you want to go with us, you can find out more information at spiritualheritagetours.com. That's in June and September. Pick the month you want to go. 
Find out more information at spiritualheritagetours.com. That's spiritualheritagetours.com. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. I have a friend who saw a lot of combat in Vietnam. In fact, he was severely wounded and highly decorated for his valor in combat. I remember asking him once what it was like to constantly be in harm's way. He said, besides being scared to death most of the time, we realized we needed each other, and so we tended to focus on what was really important. We watched each other's backs. Guys prayed who would otherwise never even mention God's name. Under pressure, under those dangerous circumstances, we realized that we held each other's lives literally in our hands. I sometimes feel as if the Church of Jesus Christ in this country is not desperate enough. We don't seem to sense an utter need for God and our need for each other. People are dying all around us. The work of God shouldn't be something we do on the backstroke. It's serious business. We desperately and urgently need Him. Because we can't change lives, only He can. The early disciples were seized with this sense of urgency, this passionate cry to God in utter dependence. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus has ascended. He's in heaven, and now the task is before them. Listen to these words in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. This is in the context of urgency. They were continually devoting themselves to prayer because these early followers were desperate. They saw the tremendous need for unity and persistent prevailing prayer. Here's what I want you to remember today. Ask God to show you the urgent, desperate need of the people all around you. Ask Him to give you a burden to pray and a heart for unity. Join Crawford Loritz tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button over at Stacy on the Right and on Twitter and Instagram where I am at Stacy on the Right. The Stacy on the Right show on Facebook. We love that page. We're at 79,000 people liking it and uh, following. And so we're happy to have you subscribe over there, even with the kind of crushing amount of algorithm uh, negativity that we get from Facebook. We're still there. We're still hanging in. And so it's really nice to interact with you on those spots as well. Welcome to our terrestrial listeners in 32 states in 800 communities. We're so happy to have you with us and also our live stream audience all over the place on our different platforms. Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome Lowell Ponte. He's a political columnist, consultant, and author. Lowell, thank you for joining the show today. Stacy, wonderful to be back with you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I'm, I'm glad to have you here, Lowell, with your expertise on um, this border wall. And so just full disclosure, and you've been on the show before, you know how fiery hot I am on immigration. I have actually had what I thought to be some pretty interesting ideas about funding the border wall, um, but I don't think the president listens to the show, um, and I think that's a bit of a loss, but hes I don't think he's tuning in, and so <laughs> I don't know that he's getting these wonderful ideas. The article outlines some. Could you share what, what some of the funding mechanisms could be? Oh, sure, and understand just why this is important. If, you, if your listeners haven't thought about this, we would pay a huge price for building the wall. We'd pay an even larger price for not building it. For example, a great deal of the drugs that flow into the United States, many of them from communist China, waging its own modern opium war against us, 
uh, last year killed 70,000 people for fentanyl, heroin, and the like. Much of it came across the border. That's more people dead in one year than died during the whole Vietnam War on our side. Uh, that's just one of the things they do. Ten percent of all the auto accidents and, uh, and deaths in this country now are associated with an illegal alien driving in the United States. Uh, we have criminals coming into the country. We have the average illegal alien coming into the country now costs $70,000 in welfare and social benefits. Uh, so when you have 22 million such people and their taking of welfare increases the longer they're here, 63% of them take welfare when they arrive. 70% are taking welfare by the time they've been here for 10 years. Imagine the drain that that plus pushing wages lower plus spending 28 million billion dollars a year just sending remittances back to Mexico alone uh, taken out of our economy and sent to another country and those dollars often coming from welfare you, you begin to see we pay a tremendous price for it so what could we do to deal with it well we could put a 20% tax on tariffs the kind of border adjustment tax we could uh, impose a tax on those remittances in one way or another that go back out to Mexico we could see that Mexican drug cartel money, when it is apprehended, is used to help build the wall. Mexico could help pay for the wall in that way, for instance. We could issue wall bonds, similar to war bonds. We could sell naming rights on the wall or advertising along urban sections of the wall. We could make donations for the wall tax deductible or allow tax credits for them. By the way, if the wall costs $25 billion, that would be a one-time cost of only $78 for each of 323 million Americans, or around $310 for a family of four. But what you would get for that one-time payment is you and your children would continue to own the country, which is quite significant because these illegals are being used by one of our two political parties as a way of replacing the elector of the tier now. The, uh, the, the, that includes the legal aliens who followed the law, who obeyed all the process they needed to. That includes uh, many sectors of the economy, including African Americans, mm -hmm. who have been devastated by this flood of illegals driving down wages and taking away jobs. Crowdfunding for the wall uh, would involve paying, uh, or if, if only Trump's 62 million voters. Uh, were paying for it, they would pay $396 apiece, but there too, they would be keeping their country, because the truth is, walls work. I mean, Israel's wall has reduced terrorist attacks by more than 95%. Communist China is now expanding its ancient wall, its great wall, along the border with North Korea, still good after more than 2,000 years at keeping a flood of North Koreans out if things break down there. Mexico could build its own even stronger wall on its southern border. It has certainly done that. So there's, there's ample room for a wall. And one other thing, they talk about discrimination against Latinos. Uh, Latino or Hispanic, by the way, is not a racial category. It's an ethnic category. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's important to appreciate. Uh, but Barack Obama was perfectly willing to engage in anti-Hispanic activity. That is, Barack Obama, there was a law here for many decades called the Wetfoot-Dryfoot Law that said if you're a Cuban 
fleeing communist oppression in Cuba, and you get one foot on the shore of Florida, you are guaranteed asylum here. You are safe in the United States. That was for people fleeing communism. Barack Obama, by executive order, got rid of that. Why did he end it? Because uh, uh, Cubans tend to vote Republican. Yeah, because they want to get the as far away from... only Latinos who vote Democrat. Right. It, it's, it's all a game about winning power. And so you, the suggestions that you made, the one about remittances, I talked about that two years ago when the president first assumed the presidency. Let's talk a little bit about the, the background on it, because these are wonderful ideas, but some of them have to go through Congress, correct? We no longer have all three parts of Congress. And even when we did, or not three parts of Congress, all three parts of government, we no longer have the House. We have the Senate, and we're pretty strong there, but we don't have the House. And there's no way Nancy Pelosi is going to help us with this. So, And even if we did control it, we had some schisms there where you have these Chamber of Commerce rhino Republicans who they really don't want to see an end to illegal immigration because they want more cheap labor. So the remittances, does that have to go through Congress? Because it sounds like a tax and Congress holds the purse strings. So, does, I mean, do you need oh, congressional it, it approval? probably would, even though there have been individual states, such as Oklahoma, that have taken their own action on it. Oklahoma began a wire transfer fee law uh, that in 2017 had raised more than $67.2 million for a drug control fund. So individual states could act... But there's a larger concept here to remember. The president is commander-in-chief. The United States is being invaded by people who are literally waging chemical warfare. I mean, that's what, you know, 70 million Americans are dying, 70,000 Americans dying every year from illegal drugs, many of them coming across the border. The president has already ordered military to go down and govern the border. I think the president could unilaterally take a national defense action or a whole variety of them on the border if he was willing to take the political heat and pressure for doing so and justify it as commander-in-chief. He doesn't really need either House of Congress to back him on that. Okay. So, and, and I did see that story. Uh, and In fact, I want to I wanna highlight that a little bit. Um, and this is this is pretty interesting because when when you were talking about raising money, there's already a GoFundMe that has 17 or 18 million dollars. I check it periodically. Um, 18 million, I think it's up to, for funding border wall. Um, the guy who's doing it is a triple amputee. He's so he's he's definitely not in it for himself. But well, well, to, to be fair, there are more than one GoFundMe pages, and the people behind them, to some degree, accuse one another of trying to stage rip-off kind of activity. Ah. I don't mean this particular uh, case, but uh, you do have to be aware, you do have to research before you donate money to those things. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with, with that, but I, I like the simple math that you named off, the 369. I, I think I, I could probably find 1,000 people uh, that I know via Facebook or in real life who would be willing to pay 369. I mean, that's that's an amount that most Americans can get together in, in certain income brackets. Um, but, but when you talk about the $28 billion paid as remittances, so let's say states began to take this on, especially states that have, uh, you know, the, the, the bigger issues. So California would never do it. But no. a state like Missouri could do it. We have By, by the control. way, California, where I live, just so you get some perspective, one-third of all the nation's welfare recipients are in California. More than one-quarter of all the illegal aliens are in California. 
more than one out of five Californians could be officially classed as in poverty. And you oh. wonder why the Democrat-style welfare state works so well here? Well, that's what the whole system was designed to do. Be- but and by the way, be- you know, you know the, the dreamers were going to help. The dreamers were deeply involved in pushing to get Democrats elected in California in the last election. California two years ago implemented a thing called vote harvesting. It's illegal in most states, whereby the state routinely sends up to five absentee ballots to every household likely to vote Democrat, that is, has a Hispanic name or the like attached to it. And then, days before the election, a vote harvester goes around and knocks on the door and says, I'm here to pick up your ballot. Oh, senor, we, we have not filled it out. We do not even know if we are permitted to vote. You just leave that to me. Just sign there and give me your blank ballot, and I'll take care of it for you. That is legal in California now. It seems like a, there'd a be a way Democrat, to stop that. A single Democrat could fill an 18-wheel truck with ballots filled out that way, uh, or that they fill out themselves and turn them in on election. That's why you saw so many Republicans win on election night and then five, six, eight days later, suddenly the election results were reversed by ballots appearing from nowhere by the tens of thousands. Well, and, and that, but it seems like that should be a, a federal issue where the state of California is actually c- committing voter fraud and disenfranchising voters. And it seems oh, of like. Of course, since, since April know. 1st, it has been uh, automatic that if you go to the Department of Motor Vehicles to do something else, like get a driver's license, you are registered to vote. And you are not registered as a citizen. You are registered to vote as a resident, quote-unquote. So therefore, you are immune from any legal error involved in that. You never claim to be a citizen, and yet you will be given ballots. You will be allowed to vote, and no one will challenge you. By the way, Craig Smith and I talk a lot about this in our latest book, our seventh book, Money, Morality, and the Machine. And the good news is, to start out the new year right, we would be happy to give to your many brilliant listeners uh, absolutely free and postpaid a copy of this book. It will not cost you a penny. This is our little mission from God to arm people with information so they can protect themselves and their children and grandchildren. And to get the free book, all you need to do is call a toll-free number, 800 630 1492, like the year Columbus sailed the ocean blue. That's 800-630-1492. Fantastic. So do you have solutions in the book, things that people can do to actually stop this? Oh, we have this? a whole chapter in the book called Totally Devoted, D-E hyphen V-O-T-E-D, showing all the different tricks that they now use to take away your votes. It's a truly, well, it's discouraging when you read that, but... It's well, shocking but to see how the can you, can you share a couple out. of the solutions? Because the the information that you've shared is pretty devastating. But obviously, well, there's well, a remedy for, thing, for it. For one thing, you notice Democrats have opposed every single safeguard to prevent false voting. No voter ID, no photo ID, no fingerprint, no nothing that could prove who a voter was, because they say it would be unfair to voters who aren't willing to call someone and have such a voter ID provided automatically at their home for free. That's just too oppressive for them, but they need a voter ID to get into a speak a speech, for example, by Hillary Clinton. 
or other Democrat candidates. We've seen gerrymandering go wild. In fact, in this last election, Democrat judges in Pennsylvania and North Carolina wiped out large parts of the electoral maps that had already been drawn for their states. And these liberal judges redrew the maps themselves in a way that favored Democrats. The great master of this, of course, was Barack Obama. He created the Obamamander, in which the whole southern border of the U.S. was redrawn to include all of Mexico and half of Central America in our voter mass here. The effort to allow felons to vote. Now, you may say these people have paid their debt to society, even though in many cases, in California, for example, they want people still in prison allowed to vote who have not yet paid their debt to society. But in any event, the idea of allowing felons to vote is rather interesting. Do you want your congressman elected uh, by the felon vote? Do you want him to think, what can I do to help felons in their view of the world? Uh, how can I serve them and get their vote in the next election? And when a liberal says to you, though, I want felons allowed to vote, you should smile at them and say, you know, I think you're right. A person's constitutional right should come back when they've served their time, oh, including their Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. Don't you agree, Mr. Liberal? And you will suddenly find the liberal going, well, um, uh, I, I didn't mean guns. Oh, no, we can't let them have guns again. So there's a little inconsistency there since, since a, a ballot is deadlier than a bullet in the hands of most of these people. Hmm. Well, so the book sounds fantastic, Lowell, and we're up, against the, we're up against the break here. And I want to say thank you so much for coming on. Lowell Ponte, political columnist, consultant, and author, thank you for your time today. Always a pleasure. God bless. All right. Good to talk to you. Um, so I, I agree, and he has a lot of information, news and information about what's going on with illegal immigration in the country. And we all know that California is, I mean, it, it's... It would probably be better for the big earthquake to come and for it to fall off into the ocean than for us to have to deal with the 50-year prospect of cleaning it up. But there is a faster way, and that is that we have to have Republicans come out, obviously not Mitt Romney. Yes, I saw the story today. You guys, uh, if you haven't seen it, Mitt Romney, and go to my Facebook page, I posted uh, the tweet from the president who responded, even his niece, Rona McDaniel, has responded to his horrible op-ed in the Washington Post where he's taking the president to task over apparently the president's character or, or lack thereof. Meanwhile, he lists all of the things the president's accomplished in the op-ed, which makes him sound like a sore loser, which is basically what he is. But there's a way to clean this up. We know there is, and we have to get to it. And it starts with the wall. We'll be back with more of your calls right after this. Out of all the people in the world, we've all done or will do the following. Be birthed into this earth, grow, go to school, maybe go to college, get married, have kids, grow old, and die. Doesn't sound too eventful when put in that perspective. For many, the thought of discipling someone is foreign from the mind and not even on the to-do list. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus tells us to go ye therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. A disciple is more 
more than a student. He or she is a follower of Jesus Christ. There are a lot of things in this world, but there's nothing like being a Christian. It's a life filled with adventures. Receiving an education, vacationing, marriage, having kids are good, but there's nothing like taking the time to nourish someone in God's word so that they can be a force to be reckoned with. That is priceless. With a heart for the urban family, I'm today's urban woman, Victory McIntosh. Connect with us at urbanfamilytalk.com. Chris Brooks. We cannot underestimate the responsibility of evangelism. That is why shows like this, Equipped, which is committed to equipping you every day to live, share, and defend your faith, are extremely important because anyone who does not confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is outside of God's saving grace. Equipped. Weekdays at noon central on Urban Family Talk. I drank the 12 pack and a pint of vodka and didn't get drunk and that scared me. So I decided to come in the Teen Challenge. God has a plan for my life and I feel that I have another chance. If you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, Adult to Teen Challenge can help. There are centers across the country and you can find the one nearest you at 855-AND-ADDICTION or at teenchallengeusa.com. This is Urban Family Talk. I'm Chad Pergram with the Speaker's Lobby. The 115th Congress is coming to a close. Some voters appreciate the productivity of Congress. Others may not. What Congress approved over the past two years is just as significant as what Congress didn't achieve. Take the longtime GOP promise to repeal and replace Obamacare. House Republicans finally muscled through their own health care measure. It then died in the Senate. Republicans re-engineered the nation's tax system for the first time in three decades, but political observers blame the tax law for Republicans losing House seats in New York, New Jersey, and California. Congress never addressed an infrastructure bill. There were bipartisan successes on criminal justice reform and opioids. Even though part of the government is now closed, the Senate moved at its fastest clip in decades on annual spending bills. That's why this is a partial government shutdown. Congress worked out the details on five of the 12 yearly appropriations bills months ago. We learned in fifth grade that Congress is designed to pass law. Quite the opposite. The founders created Congress to stop law. With the Speaker's Lobby, Chad Pergram, Fox News. You can download episodes of Stacy on the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. All I can tell you is that Democrats have voted for 700 miles of the Secure Fence Act that had double-layered fencing. Call that whatever you'd like. In the Gang of uh, Eight bill, we had $42 billion for border security, including $9 billion for physical barriers. The wall has become a metaphor for border security. And what we're talking about is a physical barrier where it makes sense. In the past, every Democrat has voted for these physical barriers. It can't be just about because Trump wants it, we no longer agree with it. There's nothing immoral about a physical barrier along the border in places that make sense. So there'll never be a deal at the end of this year, the beginning of the next, that doesn't have money for the physical barriers that we all have in the past agreed we need. Hmm. Okay, let's, let's, let's dig into this. We'll get to the phones just one sec. I wanna, we're going to have every single idea that solves the problem for the border wall during this segment. And I have a few to kick off the discussion. First of all, 
Eddie Scary uh, is writing over at, oh, I don't have it here on my sheet, but he's, he's, he's a columnist, Eddie Scary, uh, and I found it at Lucianne. He's talking about how the president first has to show Americans why this is so important. And we, we write the Democrats off often, but the fact is there are tons of Democrats who have family or extended family or people they know who've had illegal immigrant crime impact their household. And so they're aware that illegal immigrants commit crime, but they've seen it min- minimized. They've been told that it's, it's morally wrong and incorrect to oppose illegal immigration. And so they're waiting on someone to show them that that's not true. They're also waiting on a demonstration of exactly what is it that we need down there. Do we actually want to put fence over waterways? Are we trying to fence craggy, mountainous uh, you know, canyons and, and areas where there's nothing but boulders and concrete and rocks? What are we trying to do? Well, the president knows. He's got all of the proposals there. Why wouldn't he, instead of inviting the congressional members to the Situation Room, which is what's happening right now, why wouldn't he just lay out a proposal from the Oval Office with the big, huge TVs behind him showing every bit of what it is that he's trying to do. No questions afterwards. No, no, none of this uh, Jim Acosta standing up and grandstanding and making the whole thing about him. No opportunity for them to do anything but cover what the president is talking about, which is why we need the wall. Why isn't he doing that? And President Trump is a brilliant demonstrator. Back in 2016, when Mitt Romney attacked him for being a con man and said he was a fake guy and didn't have anything, that, no stakes, no ties, no real businesses, he was just a con man, President Trump went to Mar-a-Lago and pulled out stakes at Mar-a-Lago, which you can call him Trump stakes because he owns Mar-a-Lago. He pulled out the wine. He pulled out the ties. He showed it all and said, look, these are the businesses that I own that make these products. And they're manufactured here, there, and there. And they're bought and sold here in America and there and there and there. And so Mitt Romney is full of it. So, you know, bite it, Mitt Romney. Why doesn't he do that about the border wall? Where is that Donald Trump? And I know he's being beaten down, which is why we have to pray for him. Um, We can't stop praying for the president, just like we can't stop praying and and doing our duty and our obligation to plug into that power source, which is Christ Jesus. We have to be praying for the president, because if you think about how horrible it is to work with someone who isn't a good coworker and how that person can sap all of your energy, just one bad coworker can actually decrease the efficiency on a team, uh, any team, by like 80 percent. That's why you see so much care being given to who gets hired into certain organizations because they know one bad hire can drastically reduce their profitability and their ability to set and achieve goals. That is what the president's dealing with. Only instead of one bad coworker, he's got hundreds of them attacking him on every side all the time. That's why we have to pray for him. So let's go to the phones. If you want to call in and join us, it's Happy New Year to you. We're here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Loving every minute of it. We've got 866-963-2037. couple lines open there for you to call in and join the program. 866-963-2037. Randy in Missouri, thank you for joining the show today. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, you mentioned the story about the refugee mob in, um, in Europe overrunning mm-hmm. um, that, that area and that community. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of a story that came out of Minneapolis just a couple of months ago, the first week of October, the, the very scene was re, what took place in Minneapolis at a place called Valley Fair, which is an amusement park where over 100 Somalians uh, overran the place, and uh, a lot of people were beat up and kind of kids were kind of terrorized, and this was uh, 
uh, an action where over 200 police officers had to come, and uh, everybody was evacuated out of the park. Now, when the local media reported on it, they just talked about a couple of people being arrested and there being a small disturbance. And this was this; these were all Somalians. They were all Muslims, and it was it was done intentional, kind of a, a kind of to install terror into the community for one reason or another. Um, but the, the the point the point the real point of the story is that the media covered the whole thing up. And it wasn't but for a few local uh, radio stations that reported on the incident. And uh, I, could, I guess maybe it had something to do with the election of Keith Ellison uh, going on in that state. I don't know. Or maybe the murder that took place by the Somalian police officer the year before. But, um, you know, the same thing just happened uh, last week with these beheadings of the American tourists in uh, Morocco. I guess the media did the same thing with that incident as well. They they didn't report on what was ta- what took place and why it was taking place. Oh, Randy. So you know the beachhead in in uh, Minnesota is is completely the brainchild of Democrats and their desire and insistence on refusing to allow people who come into this country to assimilate. So instead of having people who are coming here from foreign lands put into communities where they can have, you know, what we used to do is community centers had programs where families could adopt immigrant families. So a a local family would adopt you. You didn't live with them, but they were kind of taking on the, the, the work of um, assimilating you, helping you and facilitating assimilation, which meant they would invite you to their church. They would invite you to their local civic group. If they were in Knights of Columbus or anything like that, they would invite you and you would, go to those meetings with them and you might not end up going to their church permanently, but that continued relationship, whether it was helping to get the kids registered for school or um, introducing certain concepts like using deodorant, things like that, reinforcing social norms. That was something that we did. And it was a community based effort, which meant not every community is going to have a hundred families who want to do that. So immigration had to be um, done slowly. And that's how assimilation is achieved, which means it, no matter what country you're coming from, you can be assimilated into America. That's not happening anymore. And that's what's so depressing about this idea because it makes what they want to do is they want to make it seem as if Americans like Randy from Missouri, I'm, I'm living here in Missouri with my family, like we're xenophobic and we don't want immigration. We do. We just want the people to turn out to be Americans after a, a certain point of time. That's all. And, and that doesn't mean they kept to completely forsake their home country, but there's some reason they left that place. I'm so tired of seeing people on social media saying, you know, my country that I come from is the greatest country on earth. Well, then why aren't you still there? Why aren't you, why are you here? If your country that you hail from is the greatest country on earth, what are you doing in America? You're in the wrong country. The country that's the greatest country on earth is the one you're living in and taking all the social services and participating in and driving up and down these pristine highways and byways and lollygagging through our parks and running up and down amok through our malls. That's the country that's the greatest country on earth. And if you don't think so, get thee back to your own country. That's all. It's it's not, I'm not trying to be mean. If that sounds mean, that's your problem. Just go on back to where you came from. We will not miss you here if you leave because you think the other country is better than here. You belong there. That's where you really belong anyway because you don't understand the benefits of where you are now. Let's go to Kyle in Georgia. Kyle, thank you for calling the show today. Oh, it's just 
so amazing and refreshing to hear you say everything you just said, and I appreciate it so much. And, and to touch on that point as well, um, you know, as Christians, uh, obviously we want the best for everybody, and, mm-hmm. and the best way is to allow people to create their own reality and create their own prosperity um, through their own hard work and dedication. But what happens is the left throws this idea that because you're a Christian, you should assign this idea that, you know, well, love thy neighbor is taken to the effect of uh, let your neighbor walk all over you and let them come into your house and, you know, smoke in your living room and eat all the food in your kitchen, and that's the Christian thing to do when it adds, no. it's, like you said, to help them assimilate into into culture. I mean, I can tell you this, there's no Little League uh, association in the Somali communities. There's no, um, you know, Wednesday night church in, in, in welcoming in the Muslim communities. And so my original point was, in regards to a border wall, um, a physical wall is a great deterrent, but I, I think what we could do is have a landmine in between a fence, so you would have to cross a fence first, and then basically put it all over the media, anywhere south of border America. It says if you were going to attempt, if you cross this fence, you will possibly lose your life. Now come to this country if you have skills, if you have things to contribute, by all means. But you can't just walk into somebody's yard and set up camp. I, I So the first thing that happens when you say something like that, Kyle, landmines are like, well, that's that's, you know, that's illegal because we, we have soldiers and airmen who've lost their, their limbs over in, uh, you know, Bosnia and Herzegovina and places like that, Yugoslavia, uh, during those wars when we would go over to try to help and the landmines would blow our soldiers up. And so people are always really hesitant to do things like that. But we a simple wall works, um, you know, a wall with barbed wire at the top with the metal parts that go down beneath the actual surface. That works. And I want to just I want to point out. Kyle is calling here. He's a Christian. He is not at all suggesting that we want to blow up illegal immigrants, but we do want to install a system that makes it so that people who would consider entering this country would consider the ramifications. And if you think about what Lowell Ponte said in the last segment about 70 grand a year per illegal immigrant, plus the fact that they take more services as they are here longer, plus the fact that China is actually waging war on us through illegal drugs. They're shipping it through the southern border, and that's killing 70,000 Americans a year. You only need to spend five minutes at a funeral for a 21-year-old girl who went to suburban schools, and the parents poured their hearts into this child and loved her and raised her right. And she got involved with some bad boyfriend who introduced her to opioids and then she got addicted to them and they sent her to treatment center to treatment center, derailed this child's life. She's got a great GPA. She's going to go to college. She's accepted to college. And instead of going to college, she spends three years in and out of drug treatment centers. And after the third time, three months clean, she goes back and gets something laced with bad other bad drugs and overdoses. You only have to spend five minutes at a funeral like that before you really, if you have a heart, if you have a brain that works, if you have a conscience, can understand that the war that those Chinese are waging on us, it's real and it's ripping apart families. So it, I'm, I'm totally about helping people, like Kyle said. But we have enough wounded, disabled, and mentally compromised veterans in this country to take care of that we would, if we never took another person in this country ever, 
we would have more than enough to take care of. And those people deserve our help. They've given their bodies to our country. They've left their limbs out in the foreign lands for our country. They deserve and are owed our assistance. They shouldn't be living on the street. They shouldn't be running around suffering from PTSD without any treatment. They deserve those 70 grand per person. That belongs to our veterans. And if you don't agree with me, get to the back. And it's a long walk because I'm over the target. The haters are plentiful and I'm glad they're there because I know I'm on the right track when I hear nincompoops telling me that I'm xenophobic and I hate this and I hate that. I don't hate anything, but I do believe in right and wrong. And what we're doing as a country is wrong. And what we're reaping is the, is the full grown fruit of that incorrect behavior. We're, that's what we're getting. And I hate it just as much as any other person who's got their head screwed on right. I don't want it to be the truth. But the only way to stop it is for us to finally have to get up off our keisters and say, enough is enough. Not only do we have to be willing to pay that $350 per family to fund the wall separately, but we have to go around Nancy Pelosi. But we have to actually start talking to these legislators. And we have to get the president's ear. He's got to start. The, the remittances alone would fund eight walls. If we wanted a wall that was eight walls deep and went into Mexico and encroached on their property and dared them. I double dog dare you to come up, Mexico. What you going to do? What are you going to do if we build wall on your territory? Nothing. You ain't going to do anything because the minute you do, we'll make that wall impenetrable and we will no longer accept the cars built in your country, in our country. We'll take all our jobs back and we'll no longer permit remittances to your country. You can remit to any other country you want to, but Mexico. Play some games. Start something. You don't want any of this. They cannot handle what we can really do if we wanted to. We're allowing the Democrats to act like they run the whole show. They don't. They just have the media. But they're on the wrong side. If you've read the end of the book, you know we win. We don't just win. We win big because big is eternity. You're still in the call queue. Hang on. I'll take you after these messages. If you're leaving us now, God bless you. Be back with you tomorrow from the heartland. If you're sticking around, it's onenewsnow.com, and I'll be right back.